What's up, everybody? Jesse Lusa here, commissioner of the Bunch of Dudes Fantasy Football League. We have a very special episode here today where we have the first place finisher, Brian Dorsey, a.k.a. Elton's Loving Fam, who will be interviewing the last place participant, Pranava Raparla, a.k.a. Team Rap. You really hate to see an unoriginal name like that. Um, but first, before we get into it, I really just want to give an overview of our season. So the top four teams ended up making a playoffs were the one, Brian versus the four, Natalie, Team Big and Rich, and the two, Jesse uses title, versus the three, myself, feeling myself. Um, so Brian obviously took down Natalie, and then I was able to etch out a win against Rob, setting up a championship matchup against myself and Brian. Brian wins by 21 points, which is, you know, to say a close matchup by his standards. On the consolation side of things, we had Team Meta, a.k.a. Mayhul, against Team Rap, a.k.a. Pranova, in the 10-9 spot. And then Tucker for Life, a.k.a. Cat, against Team Leovic, Cody Leovic, in the 7-8 spot. Cat dropped to Cody and... As we will get into later, Mayhul was able to deal Pranava a crushing defeat after being one of the worst teams, if not arguably the worst, all season, which led to a toilet bowl of Team Rap versus Tucker for Life, where, unfortunately for Pranava, Cat was able to come out with a pretty dominant 41-point win. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast, and thank you all for listening. What is up, party people? We are here today, myself, Jesse Lusa, the champ, Brian Dorsey, and the underdog, Pranava Raparla, here to give you a recap of the 2018-2019 Bunch of Dudes fantasy football season. So, for those of you who do not know, the punishment for coming in last place in our league is this lovely podcast episode where the champ, that would be Brian, will be interviewing the loser, that would be Pranava. Without further ado, Brian, take it away. Thanks, Kamish. And uh, before we get started, I want to say we're in a great league. I think we've got my favorite fantasy uh, rules I've seen in any league. Anyway, we're going to have plenty of time to grill Pranava on the specifics of uh, how he was managed to have such a truly awful season but before we get started i wanted to give him a chance to uh provide his opening thoughts thank you brian thank you kamish uh my name is pranava i am the underdog of this league and for my opening statement i thought i'd let my girl ari help me out with it thought i'd end up with ben but it wasn't a match Wrote some games with Fitzmagic, now I listen and laugh. Even almost got married, and for Mitch I'm so thankful. Wish I could say thank you to Alex, cause he was an angel. One taught me wins, one taught me settling, one taught me turnovers. Now I'm so amazing, I've drafted and I've lost, but that's not what I see. So look what I got. Look what they taught me, and for that I say thank you, next, thank you, next, 
Thank you. Next, I'm so fucking grateful for my draft. Okay, well, you definitely alluded to some things that we'll be spending some more time on as we go throughout. So uh, before we get into a little bit more, very quick rundown of some of the rules that I mentioned. So we play a 10-team non-PPR league, regularly season 12 weeks, and then two rounds of two-week playoff games. That'll come in handy as we talk through some numbers later. Uh, before, before we get to Matthew, uh, Pranav, I just want to start by hearing who you think is the most disappointed in you in the season you had. You know, we were wondering if it was your family, the, the Indian American community you've built up in Seattle, or maybe your past DUU colleagues. <laughs> um, I think uh, the most disappointed in me is definitely, definitely Mayhul, because I think he was hoping that uh, this season I could rise up from the ashes and show the Brown community what it really meant to have an amazing fantasy team. So specifically, Mayhul, that's interesting, you know, because he was uh, right there at the bottom with you duking it out. And do you think it was especially disappointing because almost 17% of your total points scored all year, far more than any of your other players, came from Kareem Hunt? I, I wanna, I'm glad you brought up Kareem Hunt because as soon as we all found out about the terrible things that he did, I dropped that man so fast. And it was just goes to show that you know, we put we draft these players, we put a lot of time and effort into them, a lot of heart and soul, and then we don't really talk enough about what they're doing off the field. And it was a real eye-opener for me, it was a real eye-opener for a lot of folks out there, and I think uh, a good learning lesson all around. And even though Kareem Hunt was the reason I was winning for most of the first half of the season, after I dropped that man, I lost all my games. And honestly, that's okay, because we don't support that kind of behavior and that kind of activity. Got it. So you'd be happier being by far the worst team without him than just by a healthy margin, the worst team with him. Absolutely. Okay. Well, it's good that you had a chance to go on record saying that. You got to love the honesty there, Brian. I'm just going to stop you, but kind of a really come to expect that sort of integrity from you. And it's glad to see that you have not changed. Look, uh, someone has to have integrity in this league, right? You know, none of the owners have any integrity and, you can tell that by my hometown DC football team drafting literally the worst people after Alex Smith. Yeah, it's a good point. Not not uh, very relevant fans football. Uh, we had a question come in from a listener, which was, uh, "What president would you say had a tenure most similar to your season this year?" I would say Herbert Hoover because uh, there was a there was a great time of uh, you know pre the Great Depression, kind of the end of the Roaring Twenties, leading up to the Great Depression. Everything seemed great, but all the signs were there, you know, based on like all his decisions, like kind of like my draft, the players I picked, all the signs were there. And when shit hit the fan, he couldn't deliver. So I would say my man, Herbert Hoover. And is that what you were referring to when in week three you said, I'm about to go another year with that Republican presidential playbook? I feel like this is a lie. I think this is some fake news. I never said that. So September 24th, right after week three. On record saying, I'm about to go another year with that Republican presidential playbook. You know, I feel like this is just taken out of context. You know, sometimes there's quotes and other times there's alternative quotes. And I think, you know, you can have your version of what was said and I have my version of that what was said and that's okay. Well, the, uh, I, I guess if you're asking for additional context there, you, you said win shit games by four points and lose a bunch by 40. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is a fair point there. <laughs> yeah. 
You, you got me there. That is, that is the Republican playbook for most of their gerrymandering. So somebody's got to do it. So when did you knew? When did you know that in the season you were in trouble? I knew I was in trouble in week four when I lost by double to Team Mapo. Basically, Fitzmagic, our boy, after his game where he showed up in a bomber jacket, gold chains, no shirt, chest pop, like hair popping out of his chest, sunglasses to a post-game press conference. I looked at that man and I said, that's my guy. That's the guy that's going to lead me to victory. The next week, he scored 2.8 points. And I lost to Mayhul by double, more than double. Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, that week was actually the third largest margin of defeat by anyone this year. But the other two were just when I went off. I think that's probably the worst loss of the season if you take out and you just kind of steamrolling people but it's nothing on them you know so that was quite early in the season and uh from there do you you know what do you think your options were to try to right the ship so obviously uh my first choice which was my most frequent choice was to switch my qb i think that was the beginning of the end and all the signs were there so that was way up in week four and then uh week eight you were on record saying, hot take, I make the playoffs. I'll be in sixth after this week, coming up hot. So did you have a a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel later, or were you just kind of trying to play mind games with people or what? Well, so, um, I mean, I honestly believed. I mean, that week I scored 113 points against uh, Cody, who scored 75 points. And that was because my man Mitch went off against the New York Jets. And then <laughs> Lamar Miller came back, and our man Sammy Watson Watkins on Kansas City he had a monster game, so all my all my players were clicking. Everything was running, and Kareem Hunt had about 15 points. It wasn't too bad, and that was the, the last week that I played Kareem Hunt because that's when we found out what was happening. That's when I chose integrity and being a good person and not profiting off of you know s- such violence. Yeah, so uh, that was week eight. After that, you were four and four, so yeah, I probably did feel like there were some some hope there and then you never want another game. <laughs> and so you said um week 8 was the last time you played Kareem Hunt. I believe you had uh, Kareem Hunt until week 12 actually. You know, you say tomato I say tomato. It it happens. So this is, must have been the uh Republican playbook you're talking about got it. <laughs> so yeah, at week 8 you you were four and four, like you said, and then you know didn't win the rest of the season. But I really thought that Mayhew was going to get last, and it was really just a race for second to last between you and Cat. So I didn't really think that you were you know at the gallows until the second week of the first round of playoffs, which we've talked about a little bit. Playing Mayhew first week, you accrue an eighteen point six point lead. Going into week two, you got to feel pretty good about that. Did you watch the games where Juju and Amari Cooper went off and put you to the last place game? That was probably some of the most trying moments of my life, Brian. Um, you know, Amari Cooper, I've drafted him in, you know, in the past, and he's always disappointed me. And this year, you know, there was a lot of big talk about, oh, Amari Cooper is going to help the Cowboys turn it around. Well, first of all, i got to say, the Cowboys are a garbage organization. Uh, Jason Garrett, garbage, garbage coach. But, you know, for some, I guess he's basically, you know, just keeping his job because 
Daddy Jones just want, you know, they're doing their Christmas shopping together to quote Stephen A. It was uh, it was quite surprising. I honestly didn't think anything could help the Cowboys because they are their own worst enemy. What will go wrong always does go wrong. But for some strange reason, Amari Cooper, I was watching that Philadelphia Eagles game. He scored 40 points. You have got to be kidding me. When has Amari Cooper ever done anything of value in his entire career? And all of a sudden he has to have one big game in a divisional conference. Like, come on. This was such garbage. Juju Smith-McCluster, I mean, he's, he's a baller. I wasn't, I wasn't too surprised by that one. It was only a matter of time before he had a big game. But Amari Cooper? Are you kidding me? When has Amari Cooper ever put up this kind of fantasy points when I needed it? Never. Yeah, so Cooper goes for 217, three touchdowns, 40 points. Juju has 130 yards, two touchdowns for 25. And you ended up losing by 16 points. So had the uh, those two not combined for 65, we would uh, probably be talking to Mayhill here today. I mean, if they had just double what they usually get on an average, I still would have won. But somehow, it, it had to take a force of nature. It had to take two miracles for Mayhill to win the toilet bowl. I mean, come on. All right? That, that, this is just, there had to be some kind of tampering here, and I'd love to see a full and thorough investigation into what happened in both of those games by the league. Well, I can say the league will be looking into these claims, Pranava, but honestly, I don't think this will help your case much at all. Um, hate to break it to you, bud. Anyway, let's, let's go back to draft day, which we talked about a little bit. On your LinkedIn, among uh, quite a few bold claims, one of them is that at DUU, uh, among your responsibilities there was to allocate and manage a $1 million budget. Do you feel like you did a good job doing that? Um, you know, let's just say I didn't leave any money on the table like some members of our league last season who still ended up at the bottom. So I did, I did draft and spend well, but uh, clearly where it came down to was it's not about how you spend the entire budget. It's the key acquisitions, specifically around the quarterback position, that really did me in week in and week out. So, so you think your draft where you selected eight wide receivers and only three running backs, one of which was a backup, was a good draft? Uh, I would like to uh, invoke my right to plead the Fifth Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> in, in my time at DUU, we would always, uh, you know, for all of our concerts when we'd sign artists, we try to sign artists that we thought would trend later on in the season and you know pick artists that were about to drop an album so we could get them for a better deal with the wide receiver game i knew i had already you know i drafted kareem hunt first so i had a top running back and there just weren't a lot of you know great talent in the middle so i went since i didn't have as much at the top in the wide receiver game i needed to take more of a risk and a few more risks with uh wide receivers and i was hoping one or two would pan out and it turns out a couple a couple of those did but you know for the vast majority they didn't pan out, and I knew that was going to happen. That's just kind of how it rolls. And, and who were those that, that who were those that did pan out for you? Uh, Sammy Watkins panned out. Um, that was probably the that was probably the big one. Uh, Got to love a fourth option as your your number one wide receiver that you list off. <laughs> uh, Tyler Lockett. Uh, actually, no, I picked him up later in the season. Let's see who who really panned out. Oh, I had. Um, I had Keenan Allen, who was pretty good early in the season, kind of slumped off in the middle there. Um, Robinson from Chicago, who I thought was going to be a breakout star, didn't really break out until much later in the season. And um, yeah, and then, I mean, Tevin Coleman from Atlanta, he was balling out pretty early in the season. Gallaudet from Detroit was balling out pretty early, but he kind of faded. A lot of these guys, they posted up pretty good numbers early on. I just kind of had them on my bench. Pranava, I'm going to step in here. 
do you really mean to tell me that Sammy Watkins, the 63rd ranked receiver, was a good option? Look, everybody thought Sammy Watkins was going to have a breakout season this year. I mean, with the way Patrick Mahomes was playing, with how great their running game was, there was kind of, you know, there was, it was a very good bet to, you know, say that Sammy Watkins was going to get get a lot of that load from Patrick Mahomes, who balled out and who, let me just add here, is probably the reason that Elton's loving fam, our champ here, Brian Dorsey, won week in and week out by such a large margin. So, well, well, let's, let me defend myself real quick here. I, uh, week 12, I benched him and scored 127. So I didn't even play a quarterback. I also had a, almost a 29 point win differential. And there was only one other person that had more than eight point positive differential where you had a negative 10 point differential. So I think, uh, what Mahomes probably averaged about 30 a week, 25 a week. So I, I mean, on average, I could have benched him and still had a positive win differential. I could have played no quarterback. So I'm not going to put this fully on Mahomes. Look, you know, you can, you can have your stats tell any kind of story. You know what I'm saying? So that's, you know, let's just keep that in mind as well. Pranav, I'm going to jump in here one more time. You mentioned Kenny Galladay. Uh, it looks like you might have dropped him from your team. Um, so while he was going off, I don't think that was for your own benefit. You know, uh, like I said, you know, people make mistakes and we just have to learn from those and move on. Duly noted. So speaking of learning from mistakes, this was the third year of our league. The last two years, you had gotten ninth place with the nice ninth most points scored. And then... Wait, wait, let me, let me uh, ask you a quick question here. I have never lost this league before this year. Is that correct? No, but I'm just saying you don't seem to be learning when you've gotten ninth, ninth, and not Okay, well, I would have another follow-up question here. Uh, last year, when I got ninth place, how many weeks did I really change and manage my roster? Less than half. So I would like to point out there that in terms of the amount of time that I put in managing on those previous weeks, if you, know, if you look at, say, scoring or managing per 48 minutes or something like that, I think, I, or per 60 minutes, I think I would do pretty good there. Well, you got worse, though, so you're just saying that you were better off doing nothing, which I will prove is true in a few minutes here. So you're saying that you did better when you did nothing. All I got to say is uh, I beat some of the best teams in the league this year. Right? I beat some of the best teams in the league this year, and even though I finished, you know, I was 4-4 uh, four and four going into week nine where I began my six-game losing streak, at that point in time, I was right there with LeBron Lakers, Adam Gabbard's team. I was right there with Mayhol. I was right there with uh, with Cody's team, with uh, Team Big and Rich. I was right there. Well, the, the team you had in week one is not the team you ended with. And uh, we'll get into some of the mistakes you made between week one and week nine. But uh, anyway, so, you know, ninth, ninth, tenth, you had 16% fewer points than average this year, 10% fewer than the next worst. And your weekly average score was the worst by 10 points. So after three years of just really awful seasons, what do you think you actually can take into next year? Well, uh, in my defense, in some of the previous seasons, draft day was while I was uh, at a wedding and I had to have some of my cousins, you know, draft for me. So there's a, there's a lot of mitigating circumstances. I was at six weddings this year and obviously my attention was diverted towards family. And uh, I think sometimes, you know, a man needs to do what is best for his family. And that's what I've been doing. But Next year, going into the fourth season of the Bunch of Dudes League, all I got to say is I started from the bottom, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. 
All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get into the quarterback position because that's that's where all the gold really is. So let me start just by reading off starting quarterback by week. So week one, Roethlisberger, then Alex Smith, Fitz, Fitz, Alex Smith, Smith, Dalton, Trubisky, Trubisky, Fitz again, Fitz, Dalton, Dak, Watson, Watson, Watson. So that I believe is seven different quarterbacks, no one lasting more than two weeks in a row until the last three weeks of the season when you somehow ended up with Deshaun Watson. Shout out Mike Wilker job in Deshaun Watson. What was that uh, roller coaster like of quarterbacks throughout the year? Well, uh, I think uh, you know a lot of great coaches in, in history have faced really tough quarterback battles. You know, coming from DC, I think it's just in my blood to be constantly having these quarterback controversies. You know uh eventually you just have to realize that they're just there aren't isn't that much quarterback talent below the top 10 and i didn't get the a good quarterback early well actually alex smith was a solid quarterback but uh you know unfortunately he uh he's no longer with us after that gruesome injury so well you also drafted ben roethlisberger who at the end of the year was the number three quarterback in the league yeah, so Big Ben, let's let's talk about Big Ben there, you know. Uh, I drafted Big Ben thinking, you know, he's been solid for a number of years despite his questionable off the field, con- you know, character. Uh I decided to give him a second chance and he he didn't perform early on, then out of nowhere. All right, let's talk about the Steelers here for a second. They were garbage at the beginning of the year, you know. They had the controversies with Le'Veon Bell. They had a number of issues with who is that, you know, with their receiving core. They were just weren't performing and all of a sudden, Mike Tomlin, who is by far one of the greatest coaches in the league, he he turned that team around. And by the end of the season, Ben Roethlisberger was balling, but he wasn't available, so I couldn't pick him up. Well, let's look at when you dropped him. So week one, you started him over Alex Smith, right call. Um, no way you could have known that Ben was only going to score 8.8 and Smith was going to put up 20. So week two, you switch him, which I think you know we have the benefit of hindsight now. I think it's not a, a terrible move after that first week. Um, but in week two there, you, you bench Big Ben, and he puts up 39 points. Smith puts up 13. And this week, week two, after Big Ben puts up 39, is when you decide it's the time to drop in to pick up Fitzpatrick. So this narrative of him not performing early in the season, and that's why you had to let him go, just doesn't, doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, given that you dropped him after week two, right when he scored 39. Well, they, you know, the Steelers had a couple of tough matches, matchups coming after that. So, and Fitzpatrick was one of the best. And let's be honest here, Alex Smith is consistent. Okay, well, uh, we're going to come back to Roethlisberger a little bit, but let's go ahead and move on here. So, so that week, you decide to pick up Fitz and drop Roethlisberger instead of Smith, uh, and you start Fitz, and he puts up twenty-five points, and you win the game. So, Fitz magic is in full effect. And as you already talked about after that, you were fully wooed. So you started him again and put up 2.8 uh, cream pot. Let's, let's, let's take a step back here. How could you not start a man with that kind of beard? I mean, that beard is just absolutely phenomenal. As yourself, as you know, Mr. Champ, sir, you have a phenomenal beard yourself. So from one great beard to another, real recognized real. Uh, I don't have a problem with starting Fitz there, even in week three and four. Um, but... Also in week four, Cream Hunt was your only player with more than eight points. So 
uh, your only player to you were the only team to score less than 60 and you did it twice so look they they don't want you to have more than 60 points all right it's they all right they are always trying to get after us they're always trying to put us down they always trying to put all these you know fake statistics check the statistics and put them out there but you know you just can't let that get to you all right it's gay it's week one game one every single week all right you got to keep going you can't be thinking about that kind of stuff you just got to move forward okay well let's move forward so Fitz puts up 2.8 you sit him uh put alex smith back up he scores 13 and a half um you lose by 25 so not much he could have done there play him again he puts up 15.7 you get a win uh and this is when you decide it's time to go to andy dalton take me through that decision andy dalton another another great quarterback all right he's uh he's done a lot of he there are many seasons where he has played so well in the regular season and then a late season ending injury has been the demise of him and the Bengals. and this is a man that i was hoping would be solid for me at the end of the season I think uh, one of the challenges that we faced our end last year, he was also the source of you know a team making the playoffs, and he he got a lot donated to his charity, so he's a good man off the field too. So the off the field character and the on the field consistent delivery, even season over season, when he was healthy, was why I picked him to start for me. Okay, but uh, anyway, he doesn't do much for you. Puts up seven point six, and you lose by only seven points. So. Um, Smith wouldn't have won it for you. Had only twelve, so when would only gotten you an extra five points. But you know, clearly didn't get it done. So after that week, week seven is when you decide it's time for a clean slate. So you drop all the quarterbacks you have and pick up Trubisky. Trubisky had um, a couple of really phenomenal games. You know, he had a he had a couple of good matchups. Like let, let's look at it for a second. Week week four, he scored forty three points against the Buccaneers. Week five, he had a bye. Week six, he had twenty seven points. Week seven, he had thirty one points. Week eight, he had 21 points when I first started in week eight. Um, so Trubisky, I thought, was given he was scoring consistently, averaging above 30 points for over weeks four through seven, I thought he would be the right guy to stick with. Unfortunately, as always happens, every single year in week eight when I started him, or sorry, week nine when I played him against Buffalo, he scored seven points. So Trubisky, a lot of promise, didn't pan out. And then that was really the beginning of the end for him. So, I mean, when you say didn't pan out, you really just mean the next week, right? Because the week after that, you went back to your guy Fitz, started him and sat Trubisky, and Trubisky got 36 while on the bench. There are a lot of fateful decisions I made this season. I think the the one common pattern was really every week I had the wrong quarterback starting and the wrong quarterback on my bench. And if you you, know, you could say that's poor game management, or you could say really that I was – wrong 100% of the time. And if I was wrong 100% of the time, what that really means is I really know who's going to be bad and who's going to be good. So, Yeah, we, we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit. Um, after this week, you said my lack of lineup updates came back to bite me. So was that just forgetting, not caring? What, what was that? You know, sometimes you, you have to play some mind games. You know, you have to play some mind games with the teams. You have to undersell where you think you're going to end up. And uh, also that happened to be the week where, you know, I think it was around Thanksgiving time or I was, I was out of town visiting some families, visiting my brother's girlfriend's family. They're very nice. You know, I'm very excited for one day, hopefully, to see where that goes. You know, shout out the Lagu Mafia out there. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, still, it seems like it's something that okay, you could t- spend the 10 minutes doing, you know, especially after 
uh, one week earlier saying to another teammate that forgot to make or another uh, league mate who forgot to make updates to their lineup. Don't put in the work, but still expect the W love to see that white privilege in action. So what's the difference between what you did here and what you were criticizing there? You know, you bring up a great point, and uh, sometimes it's not that WP in action. Sometimes it's that MP in action, that male privilege. So, you know, I was exercising a little bit there, and uh, I do recognize it. And I would like to point out that uh, this year I significantly improved my lineup management than I did in the past in terms of actually making a roster change and not playing any. I didn't play a single player this season who was on a buy. So, you know, like to give myself a pat on the back for that one. Well, it seems like you could have been better off doing less. Anyway, um, so you start Fitz in Week 10, scores 13.5. Trubisky gets 36. And, you know, maybe you were a little scared off by how reactive you had been all year and how you'd been kind of burned by switching it up so often. So you'd side, give Fitz another chance, keep him in there, keep Trubisky on the bench. Sometimes less is more, Brian. uh, Sometimes less is more. Well, the next week... Less was definitely less because you started Fitz again. He scored eight points. Trubisky course scored 15 and you lost by three points. So that's just, uh, I'm not sure how less is more in that situation. That seems like less is just getting you to lower and lower on the ladder. Anyway, after that, that week, uh, you decided you were finally done with Fitz or I think maybe the Bucks did. Uh, and so you go back to your guy, Andy Dalton because Trubisky was now hurt, and so you had no options, and so I went back to Dalton. Um, did you feel safe going back to Dalton when you really, really needed a win at this point in the season, week 11, week 12? Unfortunately, Andy Dalton does what Andy Dalton does, and the Browns do what the Browns do, and they pull these crazy wins out of nowhere, and the Bengals do what the Bengals do, and they just throw games away with some pretty horrible defense. So... It was an unfortunate situation all around where Andy Dalton scored only eight points. Well, uh, the next week, you were almost done here. You went to Dak, and uh, he had a decent week. He got 14, and this is when you had the 19-point lead against Mayhul. And then you found yourself with Watson, who did all he could, but you know couldn't help the rest of your team there. I, you know, this this toilet bowl. I think you know we should really talk about score one and score two. You know. I had scored 100 points, or roughly almost 100 points, like maybe just like 90, 93 or 94, something like that, in the first round. Mayhew had scored 70 points. So I had, a, I had a very healthy lead. What it really comes down to is here, it wasn't my QB play that really kind of did me in. What it really was, was Amari Cooper and the Dallas Cowboys making that late season push that they usually do. And honestly, I should have seen it coming. You know, I was starting Dak. I should have known that Amari Cooper also would have had a load there. So... I I don't all I have to say is the Cowboys I hate the Cowboys with all my heart as a DC sports fan and you know for them calling themselves America's team just out there being so gaudy with their huge stadium and their giant shiny star and their like fake patriotism the Cowboys are a joke of an organization I don't like it so in summary looking at the quarterback position you had seven different quarterbacks two of which you picked up twice they averaged less than three weeks of tenure on your team at any given time. You picked the wrong quarterback to start eight times out of 16 total weeks. Four of those weeks that you didn't choose wrong, you only had one choice. So you chose right four out of 12 times. 
looking back to Ben, had you kept Ben Roethlisberger as your starter, he would have been a better option than your starter nine out of 14 weeks and would have in total scored 100 more points than the people that you started. Lastly, had you kept Ben and started him every week, including the week that he had a bye, you would have made the playoffs with three more wins than you finished with, would have finished seven and five in the playoffs. And the cherry on top was that in week 12, when you needed the win to stay out of the death game, you were beat by Adam, who was starting Ben Roethlisberger. (laughs) So the takeaway from all of it to me is not that you don't pick up uh, it's, it's not that you don't pick up a hot hand like Fitz. I think when he's hot, he's the hot one. And you should try to ride that wave if you have the luxury of doing so. But to do so, you should not drop a Hall of Fame quarterback instead of dropping Alex Smith. You make some good points there, Brian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By dropping Ben to pick up Fitz, you're basically quitting your stable, well-paying job at Microsoft and picking up a job at Herbalife or some other multi-level marketing campaign. That's essentially what you went for. And I saw it as a very uh, immature move to to fall into such a trap like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all I had. You know, look forward to uh, seeing in the league next year, getting a couple more free wins. However those happen, whether it's the quarterback or only drafting three running backs again or whatever else it is. But uh, yeah, we got to get a little deeper into your shortcomings as a manager. Pranav, I just have one last thing to ask you. Um, do you have any plan to improve your team, uh, your draft strategy, your team management going forward into the 2019, 2020 year? Or will you be like the Cleveland Browns forever stuck at the bottom of the league? You know, I'm really glad you asked that question. You know, I think next year I'll take a page out of Rob's book and then have a room full of my best friends draft for me. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, Pranava, it was great to have you on. I really appreciate, you know, you uh, coming through and completing your punishment in such a timely manner. Yes, that's a shot at you, Rob, who took all the way up until a month before our season started to actually start using your phone case. Uh, Brian, it was great to have you on. Uh, do you have anything to say closing out in terms of how you feel as a champion? Uh, it was fun to see such a utterly dominant season. As I said, almost a 30 point margin of victory on average. I put up 170 at one point, uh, you know, nine PPR, 10 team league. That's pretty, pretty wild. Uh, and it was not just Mahomes. I had uh, what two top five receivers, three top seven running backs, top tight ends, second overall defense, second overall kicker. So that was overall well-managed, but you got to have the preparation, meet the opportunity and the luck to have success. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, I did get a little nervous in later in the season that somehow uh, I would not pull it out despite being clearly the best team. So it was a big relief when things just continued to go according to plan every single week. 